So, Trav, how you been, my guy? I've been good, Jake. How have you been? You know, I'm. It, <laughs> it's a it's a weird life. This sort of uh, like COVID mayonnaise that we just kind of this haze that we live through. Of uh, well, I mean, I guess I'm I guess I'm just living life. Yeah, I feel like I should say it like a Seinfeld character. How have you been? Hey, it just adds a little sparkle. The deal with not being able to go to a restaurant, even though they're open. Uh, you can go. Some restaurants are open. You can go inside. Oh, I know. I know they're open. I just I haven't hit a point where I'm like, eh, yeah, I should go to a restaurant. I'm still. I've very done much it. Order in. Yeah. I've done it. It's it's weird. The Did first it feel time, dangerous? Uh, Did you wear no. a, like a leather jacket with the with the collar up? No, but I took it. I took my daughter to breakfast one day, and it was. It's a local company here in Utah. It's called Jim's Family Restaurant. Oh, so, I am. <clears throat> our family is a big fan of the Jim's. You get Jim's restaurant. Franchise. I get. I get that. Uh, it's like hash browns, two eggs. Uh, I think they put gravy over top. It's a chicken fried steak thing there. All two different kinds of cheeses, I believe. That's what I Jim's usually get. The c- oh, I was gonna say Jim's is the kind of place that uh, several of the the Jim's franchise that I go to. Uh, I know it hasn't been this way in decades, like most of our life, but every Jim's I walk into, I would swear that there is a smoking and non-smoking section. Yeah, you you definitely get, yeah, it's one of those places, for sure. Yeah. But when we walked in, it was like, oh, all I can smell is bleach. How, oh, dir- wow. how dirty was this place before? <laughs> uh, I, I, before you mentioned that, I was going to say Jim's kind of, exa- and, Please don't get me wrong. Charming place. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's kind of the go-to place. I will have a club sandwich, but uh, <laughs> it's kind of like going yeah. to Flaming Mo's. Not Flaming Mo's, but Uncle Mo's. Remember it's, when he uh, did the 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 restaurant? Everything on the menu, basically. Kind of, yeah. I don't know if I remember that episode. A lot, oh really? I, oh boy, Jim's that's a classic. Jim's is sort of one. the the greasiest of greasy spoons. Yeah. Yeah, it smelled clean, and I was like, "Huh, it smells weird in here." It never smells clean in here. <laughs> yeah, there are there, there are places that, that a lot of businesses uh, finding out just how maybe there were a lot of things that were being left. I, do you hear the you hear the stories about this place in California? Uh, this this squirrel place that had the moldy jelly. A squirrel place that had moldy jelly. No, this, there, this sounds like a SpongeBob episode. What do you? I don't know. There's what you're talking like about. a hip. There's this hipster. It, for some reason, it's well. I guess the, it, for this exact reason, but uh, a lot of the podcasts I listen to, this has been sort of a like uh, regional joke for the last few weeks. That there's this little, uh, this sort of boutique hipstery um, restaurant called Squirrel that's mostly famous for its. Uh, I forget what the flavor of jam, like raspberry jam or something like that. And, it, you know, it, it's it's been really popular with kind of a hipstery crowd, but also known as sort of a gentrification, like kind of pushed out some smaller uh, businesses. But it was it, it came out that I guess the jelly that they make. Uh, I, I haven't looked too far into it. I just keep hearing it come up that it was getting moldy. And the way they were fixing that was by scraping the mold off of it. And there was like some big mold bucket in the back. <laughs> that uh like like i don't know just like uh people talking about like ah, oh, there's mold in the jelly and the woman who runs the place being like oh you know that was a problem we fixed it and then like 
employees from the site going like, well, I mean, we fixed it by this. I'm going to see if I can find a picture of so it. So they, they weren't putting preserves in it, basically, or preservatives in it. So it wasn't lasting as longer, and they weren't refrigerating it, it sounds like. It's kind of like when you're a kid, I, like, if you had mold on the cheese, you just cut the edge off the cheese, and it was fine. There's something about, like, uh, dry-aged meat. Uh, when, you had, when you order dry-aged meat, that's meat that was moldy. It sat in a, a locker, basically, where they pulled most of the moisture out of it, and then they just cut the mold off, and then they cook it up and serve it to you. So there is okay. like a history of this in in the industry of, of food of just cutting the moldy stuff off and using what's left. So I don't know. It was don't... It, was, uh, it was jam. Excuse me. It was jam. It was jam, um, not jelly. It was jam, and the reason I was having a hard time finding the reason is that the restaurant is spelled S Q I R L. Huh. Squirrel. squirrel. Okay, so it's like a, a an app basically. It's an app yeah, that yeah. serves it, apps. In a manner of speaking. Yeah. Hipsters. Uh, yeah, it, it's just something that I, I had heard about. And, uh, uh, you know, you, you, Jim's, you would, you know, <laughs> like, hey, you hip California restaurants, Jim's <laughs> in Utah probably has better standards than you. Probably. At least we get those little smuckers, uh, little rectangle things you pop open, and there's a little slab of jelly in there for yeah, your toast. Yeah, safe for safe for human consumption. I mean, they've probably bought one case of them in like the '70s, and they've just been working their way to the bottom ever since. That's how those little things work. You just use them till they're gone. But there's not mold on them. I'll tell you that. And there's always grape. Nobody ever takes grape. I don't even honestly. No I don't even know. Grape? Yeah, I don't grape think jelly, so. Grape jelly is the Cadillac of jellies. Grape jelly with peanut butter is amazing. Grape jelly just on a piece of toast, it's all right. Uh, you know, like, I, I'm a, I've am grown up now. I, I'm more of a uh, apricot preserves if I'm having Oh, yeah, it. that's good stuff. Uh, you know... I have I, not... I've not gone into <laughs> jelly. Like, jelly is... Jelly is largely... Jelly's just one of those... It's, it's kind of for kids things for me. Which, you know, it hey, has its place. Go get them. Uh, certainly, certainly. What kind of syrup are are you uh, a fan of? I mean, I'll I'll take uh, like real maple syrup, but outside yeah. of real maple, I, I kind of like a blueberry. I, I I love a blueberry syrup. I don't I don't stray outside of the maple, my friend. Oh, have you ever had fresh <laughs> like homemade cherry syrup? Oh, no, I, I don't Ooh. know that I've had homemade Ooh. syrup. Uh, Penny's aunt makes a, a a cherry syrup whenever they do family reunions they have like a, a a big old breakfast and there's sourdough pancakes and you put that cherry syrup on top of the sourdough pancake it's a little slice of heaven right there i'm not finding pictures of this mold bucket and frankly i'm i'm pretty yeah. excited about my lack yeah. of searching skills today <laughs> i'm sure there's there's some like weird foodies out there that are like i want to taste the mold bucket I bet the flavors just burst in your mouth. Spores, of, mold bucket, spores of flavor. The mold bucket that you're pouring into your ears currently is late to the party with Travis Tate. Welcome in. Hey, everybody. Mold buckets are us. Uh, so we, we talked earlier. Uh, you wanted to talk. You wanted to get some uh, some plugs out up front. What mold buckets are you going to be appearing in? Oh, soon, Trav? funny you bring that up. Uh, I'm going to be headlining in. Uh, Ogden, Utah. If you're near Ogden, Utah, 
and you're listening to this, come on out. Let's have a good time. It's going to be August 28th and 29th up in Ogden, Utah at Wise Guys Comedy Cafe up there. It's going to be fun. Doing shows up there is always fun. It's limited seating because of COVID, of course. So pick up your tickets online, and I'll meet you up there. Get out there and check out some comedy. Yeah, I've got some new stuff. Uh, I've actually got some new bits I'm working on in my head this week. So I'll see if I can get those heading toward ready. (laughs) Sometimes jokes take months and months to to get ready. But I I got a couple ideas. I'm I'm kind of spinning around. Here's something I noticed last night, Jake. Uh, Yeah? Are we are we uh, slipping into a what's the deal with? Ah, uh, kind of. So <laughs> okay, Munchkins and Oompa Loompas—they're two completely different types of little people. You ever notice that before? Yeah, I never yeah, thought it, of it before. The, uh, they're the Costco and Winco of uh, of uh, exploited little people character races. Right, it, it, but I've just never put it together that it was like okay, they cast you know this. Um, what's the, what's medical, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, help me, help me. Uh, you know, cause there's different categories. So they hired one category to do this there's and one like category to do that. And, and yeah. more of a, a little person's type of thing. Right. I just, I don't know. I found it interesting. There's, there's no joke or anything I there. I just, the term midget has fallen out of fact. Well, yeah, that's, I, I wasn't going to say that, but it was something that just never occurred to me until last night. I was like, oh, yeah, there are, you know, two different well, ha- different styles there. That's cool. So what's, what's the stack ranking? What's the stack ranking? So let's see. Uh, of, <laughs> of, you know, uh, little person roles, you got your, you, you got your uh, munchkins, you got your uh, Oompa Loompas. There's Jawas. Uh, you got your Jawas. Ugnaughts. Uh, you got your Ewoks. Oh yeah, Ewoks. Ugnaughts. I don't know. Should we lump the Star George Wars Lucas was big into on that. Category? No, oh, yes, yes. no. Well, I, mean, I think we need as many as we can get. Uh, you got, you got your. I don't know. Time that, bandits. I don't know that hobbits. I I was time bandits was I was going to save time bandits. I think hobbits. <laughs> hobbits counts. I think hobbits, hobbits counts. But hobbits yes. are hobbits are generally speaking we hired uh, we hired uh, uh, hide. I don't know non-height challenged people, and but what if what Peter if Munchkins? What if Munchkins was just like Hobbit Town, but on Easter? We, you know uh, what I mean? Like we, she just arrived hired, on Easter, and they're all wearing their their bright colored stuff. I think we hired a more height height normalized, whatever you call it, people to stand farther away from the camera from Ian McKellen. Yeah, I mean, obviously the actors that played them weren't weren't in that category, but I think. The peoples as a whole probably would fit into that category. Is that the next thing that people are going to cancel? They're going to cancel the Lord of the Rings for not hiring real uh, hobbits and real dwarves and real orcs. I don't think that's going to be the next thing. It could, <laughs> it could be on the list. It could be on those guys. Oh, God, what was I? Oh, I was listening to. Uh, you ever listen to the Rewatchables? Bill Simmons, the Rewatchables. No, but Smeagol is canceled. I just checked. Smeagol is canceled. Smeagol is canceled. We yes. need to hire actual. We need to <laughs> ha- hire actual uh, sentient digital effects rather than just. To... <laughs> what What about no, Bill Simmons' um, podcast? Uh, they They did uh, Last of the Mohicans. 
this week, which ah. is, is a very, you know, I, I really enjoy that movie. I know the score the score's pretty outstanding. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that was, they came out as their all-star of the movie where you just can't beat that score, mm-hmm. you know, fo- followed very closely by, uh, by, um, Daniel Day Lewis. So my son is really into music scores for movies, and that's one of his favorites. Uh, also, The yeah, Mission, which I have never seen. It's got uh, Jeremy Irons really? in it. I think De Niro's in it as well. I'm like really, really peripherally aware of The Mission, but not not super aware of. It. I didn't know that its score was really. Yeah, I think really it, it might be on. his all time favorite score. I don't think he's even seen the movie. A, I don't know that we get a ton of iconic scores like that. I think they even they sort of talked about like. The thing they kept bringing up that I don't know that I fully understand is they, they, they said that that was the era of like MTV score movies, um, which I think is like is Legend. Sort of, you had, you Legend what? has ta- the Tangerine Dream score and it's just awful. Talking about the, the Tom Cruise movie? <laughs> yes. Oh, really? Or Lady Hawk. Lady Hawk has a terrible 80s synth score. Oh, like synth scores, like, like John Carpenter. I will say John Carpenter has kept up. Like John Carpenter, mo- Carpenter movies always have amazing synth scores. Just like uh, like the I don't uh, like synth that scores. Latest, that latest Halloween movie, they did kind of a an updated, more <clears throat> like uh, like beat heavy synth score, and it's really good. But like that that era, we we had uh, Last of the Mohicans. You had uh, like Brave Braveheart. Braveheart has a really uh, a really like swelling like like so you're that talking that score. epic epic orchestral score yeah yeah i mean that's what i was thinking of you had a few from that era you know uh the 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 lord of the rings trilogy of that era definitely had iconic scores that right. the only one i can think of of recent is like the the avengers score but even that like I, unless i'm actually listening to it i don't really think much about the avengers theme i don't either where I can think, like, Superman, I can think in my head. You know, Star yeah. Wars, of course. Yes, yeah, certainly. Indiana even Jones. Jaws. Jaws, definitely. Like, or, or even Keep Jaws in those mind. sort of things. Yeah. I went and saw but, Jaws uh, at a movie theater this weekend. Uh, I did not go see Jaws, but I've been watching a lot of Harley Quinn. And <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I, I actually went to a movie theater and saw Jaws this weekend. An actual movie theater it wasn't yes. a driving thing. No, it was a movie theater. They're playing old movies. Huh. Uh, we, I went with um, my buddy Spencer King. He's a comic, and we went after after a show. And the next theater over, they were playing The Empire Strikes Back, and I was like, "Hey, this is a lot of fun." Well, uh, Empire Strikes Back started five minutes before this one. Hmm. Is it Could hard have- to get a hold of those prints? Uh, I don't. Th- I don't know if they're. They might just have them digitally. They might just put it in a blue Blu-ray. I don't know. I don't think Weird. it's actual I film. I think it's digital. You might be. You might be putting these theaters on blast. I don't. I don't know that they're. You know. I have no idea how that works. That's been something that's been in. No, that's what you know, all movie theaters hear, are doing. You hear a lot of. Uh, that, well, you hear. I hear a lot of that talk of where you know Disney's really, kind of clamping down on these these franchises they own and trying to take away or severely restrict how theaters show old movies like that. Well, I think right now it's uh, either let them do it or they won't exist when you're ready to put movies in them again. So I don't know. I I guess depending on how this Mulan malarkey goes, maybe they don't care. It was, it was kind of nice because the, like I got popcorn and a soda and they were discounted. They were basically half priced. 
because they won't do refills. So they, they pretty much slash the prices on those. It was fun, though, to, to sit in a movie theater because it's one of those that's got the big seats and uh, every single uh, layer of seating ha- is pretty much separated, you know, by a wall from oh, the is next it the one. Two, is it like, is it the uh, the recliner seating? Yeah, it's like that. Uh, the thick boy recliner? Yeah, the fancy seating. So it's all separated yeah. and I felt fine doing it, except there was people talking, which was annoying, but I wanted to go yell at them, but I didn't. So anyway, side side note. We were talking Crap. about jelly. We, we no, were talking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about tiered, tiered lists of uh, movies for. Oh yes, people. but before that, we yeah, we were talking about small people, in movies. So uh, yeah, what else? The stack ranking. Uh, d- does Honey I Shrunk the Kids count? <laughs> yes, I think so. Are we gonna get? Are we gonna get into that? We're gonna get into inner space. We're gonna get it to uh, what was that Lily Tomlin movie where she was really small? Oh, are. Are you talking about the sketch where she played a little girl? The oh, the, the one on Sesame Street where she's... Was that Lily Tomlin? No, that wasn't chair? Sesame Street. It was Lily Tomlin. That was from Laugh-In. Was I think, it really? I think she did it on SNL a time or two as well. Maybe she did, did it on Sesame I, Street. Who knows? I could have swore I saw that on some children's programming, but that was... Was that Lily Tomlin? Yeah, she did that. I swear there was... Maybe I'm thinking of... Wasn't there a movie where she was small and... I don't there know. was like a was there a regular sized gorilla and she was smaller. Was there a giant gorilla? A gorilla? Oh, maybe. Is it the man with two brains? I don't know. I'm gonna see if I can. Yeah, the Incredible Shrinking Woman. That's the one I'm uh, thinking of. Okay. <laughs> I think I think Ewoks probably are the best. You think so? Yeah, I mean they they caught Chewbacca and Han Solo and Luke Skywalker, the heroes of the galaxy. They caught them. They could have eaten them. I guess it depends on it depends on what you're basing this on. Whether you think it's like uh, most iconic, favorite, uh, best used, like least. If you want to look that way, like least offensively used, like Munchkins and uh, Munchkins and Oompa Loompas, maybe not the 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 most uh, sympathetic use of of. Although at least, oh, that was the reason I brought up uh, Last of the Mohicans because on the rewatchables, I guess you could say. You could say, um, you know, Wizard of Oz and Willy Wonka, they both did employ a lot of of actors of that time that Mm -hmm. were of that stature. And that was uh, listening to rewatchables. They talked about how Last of the Mohicans, that Michael Mann employed tons and tons of Native Americans for that movie, which is, you know, something you something you generally don't get all the way up to. We talked about Johnny Depp playing a Native American. Right. The best they could do is like, I mean, we found someone who had the tiniest bit of it in him, and we can justify it that way. That's one of those uh, tricky things in Hollywood, though. Like, I know Halle Berry just um, walked away from a role where she was going to play a trans person. And because there was a lot of, you know, uh, people going, well, they should just hire a real trans actor to play this role. Even though in part of it she was, because it's like an origin story of this person, so there is part of it where she would be a woman at one point. Anyway, that aside, there is kind of this necessary evil of you have to hire somebody that people want to go pay money to see, otherwise it's not going to make any money, so they're not going to make it. That's sort of a chicken and egg thing for me of... 
if the attitude is, well, you need to hire someone who's visible to come see it, you never, that's a, that's a way that it never changes then. That, that was the, the reasoning behind um, Scarlett Johansson being the should have been Asian character in Ghost in the Shell is, I, I, it's a, again, it's a weird, it's like a snake eating its own ass thing of, if we can't get people to come see it unless we hire a white woman or in this case a non-trans woman because there aren't if we if we have trans roles and we won't put trans actors and actresses or you know what i'm sorry you know whatever you want to say if we don't force those into those roles we're never going to have popular actors of that you know of that type it's the same thing with the the ghost in the shell thing is like well we don't have any act uh, actresses of Asian descent who could, who could garner the audience that we need for this movie. Like, well, if we don't, if we don't make stars out of Asian actresses, we're never going to have an Asian actress big enough to play this role. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, that, that's like, but that's kind of like if you were going to make an apple pie, and then you got everything ready and you're ready to put it in the oven, then you realize you didn't have any apples. That's kind of, that's a fault on the industry way before that movie was ever to the casting oh yeah you know you see what i'm saying and i think that the industry i want to believe that the industry is in sort of a transitional they're in a transitional phase of we kind it like i think it's i think it's very on the surface i don't think there's any substance to it because that's show business it's just like with stand-up comedy the show business part is absolutely surface like anything anything disney does right now that seems to be quote-unquote woke they are doing because they see dollar signs behind it, and they're All big, of enough, it. To, All they're of big it. enough to take those chances. The NBA with the Black Lives Matter stuff, taking knees before the games, that's all, hey, look at us, we did this, don't get mad at oh, us. I don't, think, I don't think the NBA stuff's that. I think those players genuinely believe in that No, the stuff. players, but the actual NBA putting it on the court, nah, that's all, that's all, look at us, we're woke. That's all that is. But anyway, I was going to say, uh, it's like, like with stand-up comedy, there's lots of really, really amazing stand-ups out there, but you don't know who they are, so the clubs aren't going to book them because you wouldn't go see them because you don't know who they are. But you do know who Steve-O is. You do know who Chris Kattan is. And people will go pay money to see them and then be disappointed and think, well, that's what stand-up comedy is. So it's kind of one of those things where people only want to pay for things that they know. They don't want to take a chance on their entertainment. They don't want to buy... They don't want to buy some upstart book. Like, if if Harry Potter didn't catch on, it, it could just be another a book series right now. You know what I mean? But people caught on, so they're like, oh, I've heard about that. I'm going to go check that out, too. And that's where you start getting the peripheral, uh, casual fans coming in. But people don't want to take a chance. Even even if it's on, like, Netflix, they're like, oh, this kind of looks cool, but I've never heard of it before, so it must not be any good. So they won't even give it a try, even though it's completely accessible to them but that's just human nature if if i i don't know i just believe in like if if we're so desperate to tell say like if we're so desperate to tell a trans person's story if if we feel emboldened enough to tell the story we should feel emboldened enough to say hey we're going to seek out someone who hasn't the experience to tell this story i mean i I maybe believe that in a in a far flung flung future when we've, you know, maybe overcorrected for a while to the point that there's a little more balance that we could get back in to a place where someone, 
someone like say Halle Berry could explore and stretch the way that they act by playing a role like that. But well, that's what acting is. Acting is pretending to be something you're not. I think the whole reason they even probably brought that movie up, I think somebody wanted to tell that story because it was very personal to them. And then Hollywood was like, yeah, it's all about trans now. People love trans. Let's do the trans thing. And then just stopped listening to whoever, it was their passion project or whatever, and put it into the Hollywood machine and just start spitting things out the other end. That's how Hollywood works. You you see what I'm saying? I've I've heard too many stories about what it meant to what it meant to generations of people who aren't like me to be able to say, Hey, someone like me made it just, uh, um, grant, grant Imahara. I told you about, um, uh, Jana Choa and some other, some other, uh, you know, uh, Asian American type saying it meant so much to me just to see this guy who wasn't being forced into a, into an ethnic stereotype, just this guy getting to be like Grand Imahara, just getting to be Grand Imahara. It meant the world to them. Just this one person who was, you know, kind of in the third banana tier on this show, it meant the world to them to say they didn't go out and find someone who was quote unquote marketable. They let this guy who had the expertise, who also happened to be Asian American, do it. So as much as I know people want to go see Halle Berry, it means the world to people who aren't just like us to say, oh, my enter- you know, in the entertainment, my superheroes look like me. My stories that are being told about me are people who are like me. I understand that acting is, you know, just because it's a trans story doesn't mean that a trans person isn't having to act to, you know, embody that. I, I don't know. It's, again, I, th- I feel like we're in a transitional phase where the questions... Like, where is a line? Because, I, I don't know. It's about finding lines, and it's we're in a weird phase. And I think people are just going to have to make things on their own if they want it made the way they want it made. Does that make well, sense? Then, then things don't get done. Like, exactly. The, the way things well, get made is that there are huge corporations who... Right. You know, but they change everything. You, know, you, you being a stand-up, I feel like you've probably talked to at least a few female, a few comics who are women, who have said things like, like they were pitching a TV deal... And the executives came back like they were pitching their own story, their own story that they'd worked years on. And the executives will come back and say, the person who you are, like, we need to get a white woman to do it or we need to have a man to do it or we need like, you know, this woman and her friends got together and wrote this amazing story. And like, okay, we want to sell your story, but we need a writer's room full of men to get it to work. Like, I know talking to Christella Alonzo, who had a. She had a show on ABC for one year and she had a show, she had her vision that, you know, the people that were, you know, creating the show with her had a vision. And then you get into, you know, networks putting in their two cents and they started changing things and no, you got to do this, you got to do that. And I, I've heard this from a few people actually of different situations, male, female, it, whatever race, but they start putting in their input and it's like, well, I guess we got to do that or else it doesn't get made. And then it's terrible, not terrible, but it's not what you thought it was going to be. And the problems with it, they come back and start pointing out problems. And you're like, yeah, those are the things you told me I had to put in there. <laughs> yeah. And, and from, from what I've heard from someone like, say, <clears throat> Christelle Alonzo is that they, they, will, they will write their very personal story. It will go through that meat grinder of what execs say, like, well, we can't sell it if we don't do this. And then it fails. And the onus doesn't go back on the executives. The, the onus comes back on, well, 
we, they'll, they'll, you know, something like that won't sell because they put it through the meat grinder. Of, this is what we need to sell. And then it comes back. They'll say, well, I guess, you know, women can't sell. So we're going to have to find more men's stories. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like a, it's a self-defeating, it's a self-defeating system of if it works, we were the ones who did it. If it doesn't work, it was your fault. Yeah. And there's also a, it's, you can put things out there in the pub. That doesn't mean the public's going to like it or want it. You're just kind of trying different bait, actually. That's actually a pretty good analogy because it, they're just trying to bait people into watching things, essentially. So they'll oh, just yeah. put, you know, let's put out 10 polls with 10 different baits and see what catches on. That's why Hollywood is so copycat. When Whenever you see somebody has a little success with something, you know, they all have to start doing their, we've all got to have a, a young adult book series now that every studio yeah, or Harry, we've Harry got Potter was sort of the the you know the the conch shell horn or whatever like, right. call, like bring in the young adult series or the lord of the rings was this big medieval not medieval but you know a sword and sorcery type epic so now everybody's got to have one and you know it worked with game of thrones but everybody's got all these little things that didn't work so well because they were trying to get they were copycatting trying to get their own thing like that that's just yeah, I could almost that's the I music. could almost draw you a uh, like Indiana Jones map esque of like the red line going to different young adult series right and, like the end point is how weird the Dark Tower movie was that it, it the Dark Tower movie really felt to me like the end point is uh, Ender's game <laughs> boy is, is Ender's game a young adult I've never read Ender's game which is so weird for some I've never read it but I, I saw the movie and I I thought it was boring. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It's just, I yeah. It never got to me. Yeah, me neither. But, Travis, we keep straying. Travis, we need to talk. This episode. This episode. I come to find out is got to be hella umbrella. Hella umbrella. Yeah. It's, let's go thirty think, straight minutes of the umbrella academy. I think. I think some <laughs> of what you're talking about of, and you can you can uh, correct me how you feel about it. Some as season two of Umbrella Academy arced over, like I watched all of it and I had a good time, but I kept hitting points where I feel like this is starting to feel like late stage Game of Thrones. Of <laughs> season season one was us telling a story that we were trying to we were trying to sort of be parallel with, you know, a, an arc of a comic book series, and season two felt like okay, we we did this huge thing, which was the end of season one. There's the apocalypse that that uh, at the end of the first arc of the comics, the apocalypse doesn't happen. At the end of the TV series, the first season, the apocalypse does happen. So where the comic book series went from there, it's harder to tell those stories because they're living in a, you know, the, that's a long way of saying season two of Umbrella Academy, a lot of times felt like me, like this is a team of TV writers trying to write the story. Like, you know, for me, Lila felt a lot like, would you guys like to see more? Would you like more TV with this character? Mm, I don't know. I mean, there was a reason for her to be in there. I, I, I kind of got that. And you needed to see, because she was super loyal to the handler as her mother. And then that loyalty, you know, it basically ends because she finds out the truth about, uh, about her parents and in yeah. how they died. That it was it was her 
that made the call. Spoiler alert, everybody, by the way. If you haven't yeah, finished it, alert, we finished alert, all the way through. So we're going clear to the end here. Um, I will say uh, I kind of the the culmination of Lila being she has everyone's powers. I don't think she has everyone's powers. I think she has like rogue powers. She doesn't have rogue powers. She doesn't suck their life out of them, but she has rogue, but coronavirus rules. It's like, it's like copycat. She has copycat powers. powers. Yeah. That's kind of the impression I got. That's, and to me, that's boring to me. That's like, she just had, she can match every, everyone who's not also did it. Did it feel like at the end of the season, everyone's powers became significantly different? Like, Vanya isn't based on sound anymore. Vanya just is Phoenix. And, like, Diego isn't just he can curve knives anymore, but he can also stop bullets? Yeah, well, I think it, that was one thing I said to my wife when I was watching. Is he I was a Magneto? Like, I thought he was just really good at throwing knives, but apparently he has the ability to, you know, bend, uh, bend metal to his will like Magneto, yeah. Which was and, uh, a little know, more interesting. And I guess uh, I only, I think I've read some of the Dallas arc, but I just mainly remember that first arc. And uh, I don't know that they ever really established that uh, Diego in uh, the comics has any powers, that he's just kind of kind of Batman. More or less, yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a little bit more of a Batman. <laughs> I, I will and, say uh, I, I enjoyed watching him and Luther not just bicker the entire time once they finally they they all kind of came together a little more in this season which was nice to see because it during the last season i really enjoyed it but i made i made a point to you i remember talking about it going these people clearly hate each other and i don't know how i'm supposed to cheer for them when they're so terrible to each other every every conversation ends with one of those relationship ending mic drops where they would just say the most the, horrible thing possible. I think what they were trying to do was to establish that uh, clearly Hargreaves had messed up. Like the times when they go back to their childhood, like how could they not hate each other the way that Hargreaves pitted them against each other right. and made them feel bad about everything they did? Because they're not—they're not really a—they're not really a family. They're a bunch of adopted people who weren't weren't adopted as a family. They were adopted as a a project. And I, I think season two was trying to go season two was trying to say like, all right, we, I guess we told the story about them being dysfunctional. We're going to spend a season trying to undysfunction. Like we're going to spend a season uneviling Vanya. We're going to f- spend a season. Uh, we're going to, yeah, just weird. And a lot of the things, a lot of the things that felt like they'd have more permanence were just gone by the end of the season. You know, uh, Allison's marriage gone by the end of the season yeah it wasn't uh, until the very very last episode i think that they even referenced her daughter i even said to my wife i was like I for, does she, yeah, I does, she that too. does she remember she has a kid <laughs> she's had two she's had two marriages now yeah she yeah wow allison living living them lives i did like the cliffhanger at the end for sure the way that uh, you know they finally make it back to to 2019 and everything is different and it's going to be all of their faults because they didn't really i didn't see any reference to to klaus but you know that there's going to be some sort of references like i wonder i I wonder if all of the uh if tlc doesn't exist because they put that song out and somebody goes hey you're just you're copying klaus the cult leader 
Because waterfalls. I, I bet they don't. I bet they don't even touch on that. That would be so funny, though. I hope they do. Uh, yeah. But ben, Ben's alive in in this alternate alternate know, future. Did, how do you how do you feel? Did you? Well, I guess that's fine. What? <laughs> it was nice that that <laughs> they gave Ben something to do and actually like made him a an important character because he could kind of rein in Klaus toward the end there. Something that I liked about Ben's uh, Ben's finishing was uh, the trope of I'm in Vanya's mind alone with her. Uh, I want you before I go. I want you to tell Klaus something, and then she leans in and whispers in her ear, like, "There's no one with you. You don't have to whisper to her. You're whispering to her <laughs> right. so the audience doesn't hear it." <laughs> right. Yeah. I think at some point, if they if they keep doing multiple seasons, I think I would like to see Klaus go evil. Not like permanently, but Klaus have a go down the, the the dark path, and have him kind of bringing up, uh, you know, the dead to fight his siblings or something like that. I think that would be kind of a, a cool twist there. Because I mean, uh, if anybody I'm... if anybody has, you know, a right to complain about you know their upbringing more than any of the others, Vanya's was bad because you know he kind of told her she wasn't special and blah 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 blah. Yeah, that's bad. But Klaus, man. He was seeing dead people all over the place, and Hargreaves would just lock him in a in a in a tomb with dead oh, people all, and just yeah. torture him. Like that's got to be the most traumatic. Bad. They all they kind of they all, except for maybe I don't know that there there was it, this was also a season of I was watching it. I kept remembering like there was so much about the just like Allison's kids, so many things about the first season that I had just completely blanked on. <laughs> I don't remember out of all of them because Klaus had his trauma with the dead people. Obviously, uh, Luther had the trauma of dad left me on the moon or, or like dad messed around with me and made me a gorilla man. And then, left well, me he on was going to die. It's not like, he, it's not like he was like, let's see what this does. And you can kind well, of see where the going to die was because, uh, Hargreaves shot him into space. Well, I thought that that was he sent him out on a mission alone, basically, and he got burned really bad, and that's why yeah. he gave him the the DNA. And you can kind of see the the origins of that, where he gave human DNA to to Pogo. How'd you feel about the little bit of Pogo origin and not really following it? They didn't really follow that thread. Yeah, I wish there would have been more there, but maybe they'll touch on it in season three. I mean, it was yeah. cool to see him, and you saw him in like what episode two or three. And then there Does wasn't feel like there much was a, more there. Do you feel like there's a weird... This is something I think that is a trope of, of seasonal shows like that. Of uh, Vanya slaughtered Pogo. Like They don't get to take back Vanya slaughtering Pogo. And everyone seems pretty forgiving of Vanya when Pogo was more or less one of the closest things to a genuine family member mm-hmm. they had. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was interesting they did they gave actually Grace a backstory and Grace was a real person. Uh, which one was Grace? She was oh, the robot mom. mom? Yeah. yeah. Did they what ended up happening with her in season 2? I remember she found Hargreaves' plans, but I don't remember. And that was it. That was the last time you saw her. She said I can't do this and she disappeared. That was the last time we saw her. Do you think it's implied that that maybe Hargreaves killed her? No, no, I don't think he killed her, but I do think maybe he's heartbroken for the rest of his life about it and maybe kind of bitter and 
I mean, because in the future he's going to remember that those that the Umbrella Academy went back in time and changed his future. So now he's going to have the Sparrow Academy. Uh, I think uh, the Umbrella Academy are going to be his enemies. Yeah, but for the timeline to keep going, he would have had to have made the Umbrella Academy and then made the Sparrow Academy. See, they're, they're, I don't know. They're, they're, they're messing with time too much where the paradoxes get too layered. Because they, <clears throat> they're jumping back into a future where they now don't exist, kind of. Does that make sense? Because oh, they so changed gonna... so many things. Oh, so they're, they're out of time the family now. Polaroid and see, see themselves start fading away. Well, yeah. I mean, they're in a timeline that never existed until they went back in time. We, we don't know that, though. It well, doesn't make... Because Hard, Hargreaves knew who they were. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I can't even speak to it because it was, such a, it was a thing that happened at the very end, and there's no explanation for it yet. Timey-wimey, right? That's what Doctor also, Who would say. Also, the best, the, to the best of my knowledge, when uh, Five sent his old self forward, he had fixed it so that he should have sent the old, like, he should have stayed old. Yeah, I mean, and maybe maybe he did show up at some point. Because the young one was the one that opened things up and set it up, and then they kicked the old one through, isn't that? Right. Isn't that what happened? That scene was really cool, actually, and I was kind of having a hard time deciding which one luther should help to be honest with you the whole they get they get crazy and itchy when they're next to each other yeah. and they, they start going mad i didn't like i, I, didn't like I thought that trope really i thought it was i thought it was fine otherwise why wouldn't anybody just go back in time and try to you know change their own lives and stuff like that well, it, it gives a, a legitimate reason to stay away from yourself in other timelines but i thought it was funny point, it, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's weird. Of I really I really did enjoy it, but also it was kind of I was not as enamored with it as the first season. It, I think uh, what I had told you earlier is it, it felt like uh, they weren't able to get they weren't nearly as weird and stylish until the last little bit. There was, you know, I didn't was, like the the, the did salon uh, little dance they were no, doing. I was like that that was that, that didn't was like, that doesn't guys, belong there. This is not the number one. This is not the uh, you're not recreating the the I think we're alone now. Contextually made sense. Luther is playing the song that was important to him. And it's almost reasonable to think everyone in the house is having their own. You can you can see a universe where it's silly, but you can see a universe where, okay, all these people can hear him loudly playing this song. It's a banger. Tiffany's I think we're alone now is a catchy you're going to tap a toe to it. Right. All of them having a little bit of a toe tapping moment. The hair salon thing with, with uh twist in the night away felt very forced. Yeah. It was, and like, it was happening mm. in a moment where everything is falling apart. <laughs> you guys should be planning to work to like stopping and having this weird. And, and also all, all the things that they did dancing couldn't, like it's jumping around to things like you can't do all of this during the course of one song. I think we're alone now. It's like, we're all in our separate parts of the house dance, just grooving. Uh, 
twisting the night away was like they're all over the place they're putting on the hair thing yeah it was super choreographed and they're putting the hair things on like are they having the conversation if it was reality are they like all right i'm gonna lift mine up then you lift yours up and then you lift yours up and then we'll look at a camera that's not there (laughs) like why would you do that in real life yeah it was out of place i I didn't enjoy that part of it, but that felt very much like they were trying to re-encapsulate that moment from season one, mm-hmm. and it felt very forced. Yeah, I mean that's kind of a thing that you'd never seen anybody do before. So stylistically, if they did it again, people would be like, "Oh, here we go, just doing the same stuff they did in season one." So uh, I, yeah, I, I felt you're damned like if you musical... do, you're damned if you don't. The music choices, like, there were some really sharp-as-a-knife choices on how they used music in Season 1 that I think they were trying to do in Season 2, and it just it didn't have that same same impact. Like, I don't I don't know what the song is, but, uh, like, there were two moments. The the diner fight with Five is so... And that was Istanbul, right? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, that was Istanbul. And that's not contextual, but it, like it, it carries the energy of that moment. Right. And then I don't know who the artist is, but the the first time you see the Umbrella Academy as kids foiling that bank heist, oh, uh, the yeah. song they use with the the I think that it's like the people whistling, uh, really really carries that energy. Twist in the Night Away did not do that, and then uh, the department store fight I, as well with uh, uh, Don't Stop Me Now. Oh, that's right. God. With Queen. See even. Even now, I'm still having those moments. Like, yeah, they were so good at that. And in season two, like, uh, they have the the acid part with uh, with Vanya, and I am <laughs> that was not kind of funny. <laughs> I am not against the butthole surfers, but Pepper Pepper by the butthole surfers. I don't mind um, the sun sometimes. The image it's like that, it shows. That song to me is like that crash test dummies. The right it's that song but you can tap a toe to it It, yeah it's just a little trippy no i i didn't hate that in there and then also they used uh i was uh i was born or made for loving you by kiss that that fight at the mansion when they go meet hargreaves for the first time i was on board with that one too i was like okay i i like this here that that works for me and then I had it stuck in my head. I had it stuck in my head for about a week. Like season one definitely stylistically hooked me in a way that season two didn't. And I like um, Hazel and Cha Cha, uh, the Swedes, just not even close. Although when the when the one guy blew up and then they they put his leg, which was the only thing that was left, which is. Like yeah. the last thing that should be left because that's what that was closest to the explosion. Anyway, uh, when they that put it hard thing. when they put that it on the boat where, and then they yeah, lit they, the boat on fire and there was somebody like singing were, a Swedish version of "Hello" from Adele, <laughs> I was laughing. I told I, but, but I told Penny I was like, "Am that. I supposed to be laughing at this? Because this is hilarious." <laughs> yeah, they were trying to. That was the little bit of. Um, they tried very late in the show to give them uh, some heart, give like have some character moments, but they were also playing that moment for laughs. Mm-hmm. That was <laughs> that was the thing with the Swedes is by the time they got around to trying to give them some sort of characterization, it was too late. I mean, they didn't kill the cats, which was interesting, and then they actually shaved the cats because they were vacuuming up tons of hair, and all the cats had is short that what hair. Happened? I don't yeah, know. they shaved the cats. They didn't kill them, but they did shave them. 
So that was kind of a, a quirky little weird thing. But they, yeah, they weren't Hazel and Cha-Cha because you actually like cared about Hazel and Cha-Cha. And then they I was, didn't. I was kind of bummed out that, that Hazel just got ducked out that fast. Like that character was really cool and actually had uh, what I thought was a really good arc. I mean, it's and possible just, he's back in season three, though. They just swept him aside, like almost, almost like, ah, yeah, we we have to, we have to do something about this character. What song did they play uh, when five kills kills the board for the oh, for the time remember. the time commission? I can't remember what, what song it was like, either. That, that stuff didn't. That stuff just didn't really stick out. To, even that part. That part goes by really fast, and they have the action. A lot of the action happen off camera. It does say a lot that I can remember specific songs from season one, and not from season two. And I just watched it like four days ago, so that does say something. Hey, um, Elliot, uh, dismissed very unceremoniously. Yeah, he was. He he, he got he got a that gnarly death. Got- did that character, would you say out of the entire season, that character got the rawest deal? Yeah, because he, he was completely likable. He was completely likable. Everyone was everyone was shitty to him. Oh, and yeah. He got a terrible death and was forgotten almost immediately. <laughs> you know who I didn't understand? It was, uh, it was the guy, the, uh, the husband uh, where Vani yeah. was living with the family. He wasn't out of line at all ever. You're talking about you, know, the, you you what now? He wasn't ever out of line. He didn't he wasn't like this despicable person. You were supposed to like not like him, but I was like, uh I oh, mean yeah. he's um, just he's just no. saying quit having sex now, with my wife. That doesn't seem unreasonable. Well, they they late stage they late stage eviled him by that he was grossly homophobic and it sounded like I don't I think it was homophobic was gonna... as much as he didn't want anybody sleeping with his wife. He didn't say anything homophobic. He just said, well, he did say, uh, like, it, it's not natural or something like that. But, I mean, that was yeah, that, that was the 60s. That was, everybody thought that. Anybody who that thinks is... they could go back in time and, and have these magical powers where they would never uh, not be woke is kidding themselves. You know what I mean? Uh, that's, that that was just that's how you that's that's another one of those things like you have to kind of, I mean, if if every everything that we set in an era like that, if we have to make sure we have, because the similar thing with um, the y- y- for a show like that, you just have to go softer. Mm-hmm. If they're going to set it in the '60s with a cast that that features people of color and people of different sexualities or or anything like that. You can't make the whole season about portraying the people of the time as as horrible as they are. It, you, you can't play by that rule, or it's like you can't you you just can't get away. You can't tell those stories without making them without kind of. I don't know. I don't know how to say. It. It's just like when when uh, Allison goes to the diner, the people shouting at them are being way less racist than those people would have been. Yeah, but I don't I don't find that and way less violent than those people would have been. Right. Those people would have been they would have been shouting a lot different words and probably would have been excessively more violent. Right. And I don't think everybody in Dallas at that time was like that, but if you're going to go into a diner that has a whites only sign, you're going to be like that. So I mean, that seemed fair to me to portray those people that way because 
if you were eating at a whites only place, you definitely didn't like black people. You were definitely a racist. Where I think the sexuality thing, just in the last 15 years, people are starting to come around to, oh, yeah, gay marriage does make sense. You know what I mean? Like, that's a very, very recent uh, turnaround for a lot of people. That's something that a lot of people are just barely now going, oh, yeah, we were sorry about that. We were we were off. We definitely overreacted. I, I don't think I I I disagree with that. But if we get, if we go down that road, we'll never stop talking about it. Yeah. But with uh, with her husband, I think I think they threw seeds about like he was really anti-communist, or he was like really like paranoia communist. Uh, you had him hollering about it at the bar, and I mean I think everybody was. was. He, I don't know a lot of people that love that communists was, now. <laughs> yeah. But he also uh, he was also harping on, he was harping on it at the bar and it was something that he he used to justify being cruel to Banya. Uh, I mean, was, was he was he cruel was to her? He was. He was. That's the thing is I don't think that they did a great job of it, but it was implied that he was kind of dismissive of her and. They wanted you, know, you to at, hate him like you hated Billy Bob Thornton and Sling Blade, and it just wasn't there. No, you're not supposed to hate Billy Bob Thornton in Sling Blade. Or, yeah, hate, uh, uh, Dwight, Dwight Yoakam. That's what Dwight I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, Dwight Yoakam. Yeah. That's kind of what they want. They wanted you to hate him. Oh, like, no, I, like, Dwight Yoakam was despicable they, in Sling Blade. They started throwing the stuff in later of he became way more homophobic once he knew. And then. Well, I think that's the thing fair. They, the, thing they, the thing they did at the very end was he was taking the, he was taking the boy away and he kept, he kept muttering something about, I'm going to get you the treatment that you need, which will also uh, in his defense, he, he like, walked in the room and the boy is floating and there's lasers coming out of his eyes. I think I would probably a, freak out too. <laughs> I mean, that's a whole other discussion about, that's a whole other discussion about, and we talked a little bit last week about that people, people in 1963 are very much not, not noticing the crazy stuff going on around them or being, because, uh, like, there, there are tons of things in, in that, especially in that season, that are, if, if only one of these things happened, if, if what happened at the end, even at a remote farm, the giant battle, like, someone would have seen it, and they would never stop talking about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. There are a there lot are of a loose of ends. Things. There's a lot of loose ends that they need to resolve for season two, like... uh uh, I can't remember, uh, Dave, Dave, uh, he just kind of disappears. He enlists, he gets on the bus. You don't see anything. That's, that's it for Dave. We, I don't you know, think, yeah, I don't season think they're going to re that. Oh, I, I do. I think, I think they will. I think in season three, maybe he did survive and maybe he went on to do something really good. Or maybe he went on to do something really horrible. And Klaus is, okay, I mean, you know what I mean? They might, I, I guess I could acknowledge maybe they'll, it might be a footnote, but I don't, I don't think that it, I think it will be a hazelish thing of we'll have a one scene thing to explain that Dave went on to do this and and Klaus can smile to himself or go oh god what have I done and <laughs> and you won't hear about it again. I mean maybe maybe Klaus finds him and now he's like in his sixties. <laughs> Just like are they going to resolve are they going to resolve that the final Swede fell in with uh, Klaus's cult? Maybe he's leading Klaus's cult, and it, they really are they go. Going to, maybe they all just okay. drink the Kool Aid, so to speak. You've seen you've seen far enough in Doom Patrol that they, yeah, because we've talked about the the recreator and decreator of 
they showed the they they had an episode all about the you know making a cult and having that cult come back to be a part of it you know i don't know maybe Maybe that's something they're going to do, but I feel like that's almost going to be biting that Doom, that style, that Doom Patrol thing of, you know, because Doom Patrol did, we we established a cult and the cult came back to help us in our time of need. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That was a very that, Doctor Who-y thing to do, to be honest with you. Is that, instead of malarkey, we refer to it as Doctor Who-y? <laughs> Doctor Who-y, H-O-O-E-Y. yeah. O-O-E-Y. But that's the kind of thing they do that's in Doctor Who. Doctor Who-y. Where he plays the long game and he sets up this this one little thing that's going to travel through the decades and then come back wow. and, and save the day at the end. So Which Doctor I liked. Who is a series, Doctor Who is a series that's strictly, like, that, that show is a time travel series. Whereas, I guess, right. maybe that's the thing is, I don't. Like, I, I don't want Umbrella Academy to just be a time travel show. No, you've got you've got a valid point there. It, I mean, it was cool to see them go back and be in a different era, which was it was fine. Now it's it's kind of we got to clean up our mess. Maybe five actually, because he got the the little hint from Hargreaves of why, why don't you just go back a few seconds? Uh, I felt that I, <laughs> I hated that that. That was um, that was foreshadowing for sure. That was that was too much foreshadowing. I knew that exactly was, when he said that. That's how he's going to save the day. I, like when the handler started shooting everybody, I was like, "All right, he's going to jump back a, a minute and fix yeah, it." Same. And then and then I was offended that they did a a montage to say, "Oh, by the way, remember this?" Like, yeah, yeah, we already most of us knew <laughs> this was what we was going to do. You don't have to do a you don't have to do a montage to show like. For that, I was hoping they would show him because that was it, what Hargreaves said: "Is have you have you thought about practicing a little with smaller things?" Right. He never practiced. He did it in an emergency in that moment. Is well, he he did it because he was pissed originally when he went to the future. He was throwing yeah. a tantrum because his dad wouldn't let him do it, and he ended up going like fifty years in the future. Uh, and I then he got like that. stuck. That was that was tantamount to the three PO. Uh, Oh, if only uh, R two has my backup. Like, <laughs> don't don't do that. Don't do that sort of foreshadowing because when you say it like that, we know you're going to use it like that. Yeah, like, but I think I think that's for dumb for, people. I think they know that dumb uh, people watch stuff. <laughs> if they want to do that moment, have Hargreaves say something incredibly subtle, then you can do a montage for people to go, "Oh, I didn't even notice he said that." Instead of having him boldly assert, "Have you thought about going trying thinking?" Basically, all they would have had to do is have it cut off. If he says, yeah, I did this, he goes, have you ever thought about thinking smaller? Go I back mean, to the moment where he just says think smaller. Don't, right. don't then have him painstakingly say, perhaps you could go back just a few seconds. Because, as you should know, sometimes just a few seconds counts. Like, oh, well, I guess they're going to use that later. It's, I would have uh, I would have written it kind of like, like a, I thought number two was the only one with the hero complex. Why why does that always have to be this this grand thing? Small things make a difference. You know, something like that. Yeah, that that was tantamount to just like I said, like don't don't make it obvious we're gonna use this so that when the moment comes you're like, All right, okay, we got around to it. That I I, I was annoyed when, when the siblings kept pointing out the hero complex for Diego actually. I was like, yeah, he has a hero complex because he is a hero. It's not, it's not delusional. I mean, I could see like the people at the, at the institute thinking that he's delusional, but his siblings know he's a hero. So why do they keep bringing this up? He is a literal hero. That's what he does. 
uh, I'm definitely interested in watching season three, but uh, if you know the if this is the sort of course that they're following with a lot of stuff, I don't. If season three keeps following kind of the way that they're doing the show now, I just I think I'll probably fall off at season three. I think here here's kind of the way I'm comparing the two seasons together. I think season one had these really like epic um, moments that really stuck with me and they stand out a little more, but overall I, there's a lot in season one. I just didn't like, I didn't like the tone. I didn't like the way they hated each other. This one was more enjoyable for me in that, okay, they're getting along, they're working together. And also there's like, you can kind of see that things are being weaved from the uh, first series into the second series and it's kind of weaving toward the or to the third season there's kind of a through line where before it was like i don't even know what's going on here i just know these people hate each other and it's uncomfortable but then you'd have those really awesome moments like uh five with you know in the in the department store or something like that or five in the coffee shop and you're like oh wow okay that definitely i'm back just for that where this one to me was more Overall, I think I enjoyed the season more. Even it was okay. I'll say season one was a lot of peaks and valleys, you know, and season two stayed pretty steady all the way across. Is that fair? If that's yours, for me, I really liked season one, and I will definitely agree with um, uh, season two felt more steady. But I think that's just that they weren't taking many chances. Like what I what I initially said about this is season two of Umbrella Academy felt like late stage game of thrones where you have you have a uh you have a you have netflix looking at this and going okay let's focus less on what's an interesting story we need you to kind of steer this toward being a sustainable series Mm -hmm. we need this to be you know and i i I'm going to end up feeling like I'm disparaging these shows by saying like we, we want an arrow we want a supernatural we want we want to show that that uh, we can kind of put on rails and doesn't feel like, oh, we did something that we have to, you know, a, a show that we can easily, if, if we step, because basically what they did with Vanya was Ellen Page is amazing. She is very watchable and she's, she's something we can pin a rose on. She can't be the bad guy. I don't we think they gave that. her anything to do again, honestly. No, they absolutely they. The thing they gave her to do was make this character likable, and don't don't too heavily examine what she did. We we had a moment inside her head, inside a violin, where she felt guilty about what she did. But like when you think about when you think about both sides, but when you think about what Vanya did, and what the rest of the family did to her, the whole uh, deprivation tank thing. Mm-hmm. There's not really a point. There's not really a point where everyone has to process Vanya. You destroyed the Earth and you killed Pogo, and she doesn't. They never. She never has to process. Hey guys, when I needed you the most, you locked me in a cage and kind of tortured me. <laughs> I think that's coming though. <laughs> I think that's season. I don't three. think it is. I don't think it is. I think that. I think that they've. They've made them kind of. They're a team now. They're the. You know. They're the X Men now. So. But I, th- I, I think know. in season three, Hargreaves is there, and I think he's going to pit them against each other again. Are you talking about Hargreaves the alien? Yes, Hargreaves the spiky-headed <laughs> blue, and he, he kind of looked like the mom from Dinosaurs from behind. 
Okay. You know, the mama. I can't not, think of what. Not, not the mama, but the mama. Uh, to, to the, the thing that I got out of it is that the back of his head looks like something that would be early sci-fi channel series. Like a, like a far, <laughs> this is a Farscape head. Right. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, just what I said of, I think if, if, um, if uh, Umbrella Academy Season 3 is sort of a more we're not going to take chances, but we're going to be kind of a steady version of charming and, and uh, watchable. Like I'll, I'll probably fall off. I think there's going to be a lot of power fights for sure. Like superhero fights. Cause you got two different well, I mean, teams now. Oh, you know what? You know what season three is going to be. Season three is going to be about rehabilitating Lila. Cause Lila's not going to be a bad guy. Yeah. She never was. I mean, she was being manipulated by the handler who, by the way, great character might maybe the best character in the entire show is the handler because she's so likable but she's so evil you know those they don't write a lot of villains like that anymore where you just they're just playing there's no sin yeah i will give you that i am i am happy to have a bad guy who's just bad yeah but she i don't need their you would want to you would want to hang out with her you would want to be on her her good side you know but she's so just evil and she'll stab everybody in the back Oh, uh, that, that was the other thing is uh, they, they, even, they rehabilitated the, uh, what is it, the commission? Oh, yeah. They rehabilitated the, the worst, <laughs> like the, the thing that over, the, over the, the, you know, who knows, the stand of time has been out assassinating people to preserve a, a timeline that's beneficial to them. They're like, oh, they're the good guys now because we let the, the short, ugly guy be the head of it. <laughs> And we did we did a thing where Vanya killed off all the bad agents. She killed all the bad ones. Yeah, I couldn't tell if they were left. unconscious or dead. They never actually said they were dead, did they? I'm pretty sure they were dead. I like that Diego knows about the commission now. And I liked at the end when he's like, Can you get us a, a briefcase? And he's like he's like, uh, take your pick. <laughs> yeah. That was that was yeah. I don't know. I just like I said, uh they're they're gonna definitely and and that's it's the same as the the hard reefs foreshadowing is like I don't need a I don't need a full season of rehabilitating Lila because we already know she's going to be a good guy and be part of the team. Right. I feel like they so, could have definitely done five more episodes at least. Don't you? Yeah. Maybe that's I, maybe I that's what this. is the, the you know the biggest knock on it is it left all of these uh, how many tentacles did Ben have all of Ben's tentacles were uh, dead in, or uh, loose ends that never got tied up. I, I think we, I think we've I think we've basically we've got it on this. So that that I, I kind of wanted to lead that to. Uh, uh, I finished the Doom Patrol season, and whereas the finale the finale is a good episode, it didn't feel like a finale. I I read a headline. I didn't read the article because I didn't want any spoilers. But I did read, I, I want to say it was maybe Nerdist. It was something something like that. And they said, uh, basically, after an amazing season, the the uh, finale just kind of felt weird at the end. It just felt, it felt like the end, it felt like a penultimate episode. Mm, okay. I guess I, I didn't know it was coming because season one is 15 episodes and season two is nine episodes. Well, that's just probably just, attention. that's probably because of COVID. Do you think? Who? No. Nah, Maybe they had of, to cut a lot it short. Of shows do that. 
a lot of sh- a lot of shows seem to do that, especially when they're because ta- Doom Patrol was something that DC was initially putting a lot of money into for their streaming app, and now it's it's an HBO. They they refer to it as an HBO Max original. Can we real quick mention that uh, Warner Brothers let go of a ton of people, including HBO Max people and uh, DC Unlimited people, like hundreds of really? people. Yeah, yeah, they had like a huge layoff. So I think DC Unlimited, I think it's just a matter of time before all of that stuff just goes straight to HBO Max and they consolidate I, it. I think it was a mistake to tie the, the comics thing to making their own channel. I think those At the comic time, apps, it was like fine. I, and I it's actually like pretty cool. I mean, cool or not, I think things like Comixology and uh, Marvel Unlimited and the, the DC... Would, I don't, I don't think theirs is called Unlimited, but whatever it's called. I think those sort of comic uh, collection apps are great. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that making a channel out of it was uh, like you, you gotta you gotta you gotta pick a pick a lane on that. You can't make them both things. It I can see it's hard for a casual fan because casual fans don't even necessarily you know keep track of what's Marvel and what's DC to be honest with you. So it is to have everything just DC. It's very niche, but it was pretty cool. Like my son's got it. So I can watch all that stuff on there since I can't get HBO max. The, the more niche those kind of streaming apps get, the harder it is to like, I, I want kind of, I want good collections like a Hulu, like HBO max, like a Netflix. I don't want like, okay, uh, the the ad for this show called Blood Machines keeps popping up in my Facebook feed, and it's this really crazy sort of uh, sci-fi, like deep, like space sci-fi, maybe horror. I mean, I have to assume it's horror because it's on Shutter. It's on Shutter. I'm not that big a fan of horror. I would really like right. to watch the show. There's just no way. There's just no way that I'm going to start a subscription ster- service, even though. That's one of the things I can't get into. That's one of the things like I know it's either like just take the free month and watch it and cancel, or just pay for a month and watch it and cancel. I don't like Travis. There is no reason for me to still have a Disney Plus account. <laughs> I am oh, Mandalorian a Disney too. Plus account because I yes, but that is years away. Why do I still have a Disney Plus account when Ooh. that's years away? Ooh, did you see you know that? Uh the the prequel series for uh i can't remember the character's name is it cassian the cassian series they cast um i can't remember the actress's name is that one of the ones from that last uh clone war season no cassian is from uh rogue one he's the pilot the the spaniard i think he's a spaniard anyway they cast um i can't remember the actress's name but uh she was in Oh, I, I don't I don't remember the show now. It was the the Angel Demon show with David Tennant and uh, uh, oh, Good Omens. Good Omens. Yeah, she was the I guess the witch in in Good Omens. I She's going to be in that, that series. I, when you said Good Omens, I'm like, oh that that woman, the the young the young pretty woman. She's yeah. going to be. Yeah, that's who it is. Uh, She's going to be in the the Cassian series, which I thought was cool. Anyway, we should probably wrap this feller up, you know? Cian Brooke, I believe, is her name. No, maybe not. Maybe not. I, I think there was a, a J. There was a J in her last name. 
definitely a J word. It was one of those uh, things oh. that you need the correct pronunciation for. Adria Arjona? Yes. Or perhaps Arjona? Yeah. Okay. Cool. No, I thought she was good in Good Omens, so I'm excited to... She's in the Star Wars universe now, so that's cool. Anyway. Well, I guess the, putting the button on it is that, like, I really love Doom Patrol. I even liked that episode. Just didn't feel like it was ending anything. Hmm. I mean, it does so, kind of make I'm, you wonder if COVID had something to do with it. If there was supposed to be more. I personally, I doubt it just because, and HBO is what a big, a big, uh, purveyor of this. Cause game of Thrones, the seasons got shorter as the, as the show hmm. went on. I think sometimes it's a, in a lot of ways, I, I mean, obviously it's budget cuts, especially something like doom patrol or game of Thrones. That's really effects heavy. It's, it's probably budget cuts. And I, I don't know. Hopefully they give it another year because it kind of seems like it's just catching a little bit of steam right now. You know what well, I mean? I think especially with HBO Max, I, I really think that that show is definitely coming back. Whether or not it's coming back, because that's the hard thing. And that going slightly back to Umbrella Academy, and I mentioned it, the part where Luther punches through the wall, the mm-hmm. effect of him flipping five off through the wall looked like like an interstitial from MTV in the nineties. <laughs> it looks so it looks so fake, and it's not. I mean, it's a it's a one second thing, but it is glaringly it is a glaringly bad effect. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. Anywho. Anyways. I think so that's it. We've hit the end. We oh. have hit the end. Oh, we've hit the end, but it sounds like you've got a little more to say. Oh, I would. I just want to give out one um, recommendation to people, including you. You. It's something that uh, my son Brady just introduced me to last night. Uh, their YouTube videos. They're called Bardcore. Bard, like you know Shakespeare. So they take popular songs and they make. I think them... you cut out there for. Uh, oh, oh, oh! I think I saw you put up that video. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, they. They. I think you cut out for a sec. Could you say the name of it again? Bardcore. Ah, so they they take yes. popular songs and they make them in the style of uh, minstrels of of the time. They even change the lyrics a little, so it's like a thous and these and things like that, and it, it's pretty funny. There, some of them are actually really good too, but it, it's kind of funny when they change the lyrics a little on it. Thou art stay creep. Are you ready? Are you ready for a very satisfied Jake? Yeah. Hey Travis, do you, do they seem to put them out regularly? Uh, there seem to be I like think, a pretty. Uh, I a think they come out. They put them out on. It seems like they come out monthly, probably around the same week every month. So would you say? Would you say that they they have a a very regular minstrel cycle? Yes, yes, they do. And <laughs> at the end of the song, you know it's the end. There's a, there's a real there's a real I guess like a period at the end of it. So <laughs> really. <laughs> There's a real flow to it. Yeah, yeah, it does have a flow. It's, I mean, send me, Travis, send me to jail. Send <laughs> no, me to jail. No, it's fun. Uh, yes, and <laughs> right. That's what. That's what all of those those uh, people say. Yes, and. Oh, I've never been so satisfied and so guilty. This is like my wedding night. I feel like I'm in the L.A. podcast scene now. I'm yes, anding. <laughs> all right. So those are those are fun. Yeah, they're fun. I, I'm one of those people that likes weird covers or weird versions of songs. So to me, it's fun. Um, 
my wife very much did not enjoy it. I also found one that was it was a bluegrass version of um, Metallica's Inter Sandman, and I abs- I was like, this is the greatest thing ever, and my wife's like, this is horrible. But it's th- uh, my, just these older friend, guys with with banjos and they're hitting those high. You know how the bluegrass singers hit those high note, the falsettos. Yeah, it was perfect, and she was not on board. I think it's like Iron yeah, Horse friend, uh, or something like that is the name of that band. Yeah, my friend Josh is into this channel, mm-hmm. and I, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. It's uh, it's this woman who takes uh, modern hits and does them in sort of a burlesque style. <laughs> On board. And those are those are pretty <laughs> pretty tasty. There's another guy. Uh, I can't remember his name either, but he. I think it's called Ten Minute Song or Ten Second Songs, and he takes a song and then does like a ten second impersonation, like twenty different ways of how this song. Like they did uh, "Careless Whisper" by George Michael, and he would do ten seconds of like, let's just say, disturbed. Which, by the way, they show a picture of Disturbed. They should rename their band oh, uh, Dads That yeah, Get Drunk group. and Get Into Fights at Baseball Games. But uh, <laughs> And then they, they would do like a, maybe a Sinatra version, and it just kind of yeah, jumps back a, and forth. That same friend of mine is way into an artist named DJ Cumberbund who does mashup <laughs> videos like that, who is very good at it. By the way, I've been using a Cumberbund in a joke, and it doesn't get as big of a laugh as it deserves. So anybody that comes uh, to see me headline on August 28th and 29th, when I say Cumberbund, show some respect. I barely know what a Cumberbund is. Uh, you wear Which, it with, way, a, with a tuxedo. He uh, uses Macho Man Randy Savage in every video, which Ooh, you gotta you, you gotta respect. The cream rises to the top. But yeah, like uh, Cumberbund is one of those things that I cannot I cannot figure out the existence of a Cumberbund. I mean, it's basically there to for fat guys. <laughs> it's to take the eyes away from the belly that would be sticking out and to cover it up. Yeah. <laughs> they have things you put under your clothes that help more with that. You know how older ladies wear a lot of scarves to cover up like their their like gobbly uh, turkey necks. It's kind of like that. It's just, I just figured it just was covering up. up the. Uh, I figured it was covering up the the brain being that was inside their stomach controlling their robot body. <laughs> Crying. Yeah, it's just when when in doubt, put another layer over it. That's fashion. When in doubt, don't let it stick out. There you go. Anyways, I think we're so, done. So, uh, hey man, if you're out there, get a hold of us later to the tater at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Uh, we we're always looking for give us those five star ratings, give us a one sentence review. Uh, I think that was the right one. Tell a friend. Let the world know that you've in, been enjoying us. Let us know that you've been enjoying us. Let us know that you've been hating us. Frankly, I can I can take the heat. Um, <laughs> I can't, so don't tell me that. Is, Blue Wave Theory is the music that we're doing. Don't tell them. They're sensitive. We appreciate the use of that music. Uh, They're at zero fault. Uh, yes. Don't don't blame this on them, please. <laughs> Travis, where can people find you? Uh, you can follow me at Travis Tate Funny on Instagram, Twitter, uh, friend me on Facebook, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't have a TikTok uh, because I'm not 12. Uh, well, Travis, be careful. TikTok's going to be going away. Yeah. It's not going to be going away. I mean, it's not going to be going away. Uh, is somebody going to buy it? Is that what's going to happen? I don't know. I do I feel bad. Buy, I think Microsoft's buying a bit. Like Trump went after TikTok. Trump went after TikTok last week. I don't know if he 
he's maybe lost uh, interest in that, but like he went after TikTok last week or the week before. Well, yeah, I saw that because it's Chinese owned is is the biggest, I think. And I, it turns out they actually were spying on people. I saw a news report of that today. Like they were they are taking information from people that even Facebook was like, "Yeah, we we thought that kind of information was probably sketchy." So if Facebook thinks it's sketchy, it's probably sketchy. It's uh it's information theft all the way down. Right. Anyway, uh, unless you got anything else, Travis, you you all good? Nope, I think I'm all good. All right. Well, for information theft everywhere, this has been Late to the Party with Travis Tate. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Travis Tate, and better Tate than never.